welcome back or welcome for the first time to Big Nerdy Questions BNQ. And tonight, you like us, you really like us, or at least we hope you do. Because tonight, we're taking on the big gold statue. Yes, that's right, not C-3PO, the Oscars. And we're going to be looking at not which films won Oscars, oh no, but which nerdy films were most overlooked by the Academy Awards. And joining me tonight, we have Colleen. Hello, everybody. And we have an expert in Oscars from the Oscar Watch podcast, Steve. Welcome to B&Q. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Thanks for having me out here. Well, it is our pleasure to have you aboard. Uh, and Matt is not here, unfortunately. Matt got a free copy of screening the Jar Jar Binks <laughs> special, and he has been <laughs> nauseous for a week. Uh, so, Matt, you are in our thoughts, sir. Uh, we, we, we're sorry you had to take that one for the team, but we will see you soon. Because Matt isn't here, we don't have a sponsor. We're, we're running on empty pockets this week. Uh, so charity and love and all that other jazz. Uh, but Thank I you. believe that we have a big nerdy recommendation, as is usual. And as is the guest's privilege, Steve, please recommend oh. something quite big and nerdy. Okay, well, I was going to recommend my favorite TV show of all time, which will remain mysterious for now. But <laughs> considering the topic of tonight's conversation, I have to recommend my go-to resource for all the research I do. It's called The Academy Awards, The Unofficial History. It is a huge book that gives you the winners and nom nominee nominees of all 89 years of Academy history, plus a little uh, fun uh, backstory as to the ceremony itself, what happened, all the gossip and drama, who wore it best, etc. That I, if you have any interest in the Academy Awards itself, definitely pick it up. Uh, it's a lot, a lot of fun, great, re great resource, and great at trivia night too. You can learn a lot and you can smoke some people. It's <laughs> so much fun. Speaking from my Jeopardy experience, <laughs> yes, the Oscars will show up in trivia things. Definitely. Plus, 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 you can always sound like that guy and be like, "Oh, by the way, that movie won an Academy Award." You know, they'd be like, "Ooh, it's always it's always fun to drop that." It's like, "Oh yeah, that movie's special because it won something." All quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> Suicide Squad. Oh no, no, wait, never mind. Sorry. Oops. <laughs> wait, awesome. wait, did didn't they actually win something though? They did. They did win something. They did. <laughs> yeah. So yay. Let's just say that. This, was it this year's Oscars was very strange. Yeah, it was... For uh, many reasons. I think this year's a Oscars lot, a were La La Land. <laughs> yeah, it'd be quite memorable for many years to come. They pulled a Steve Harvey. No, um... <laughs> uh, so, uh, before we get into the meat of the discussion, Steve, why don't you tell our listeners just about the Oscar Watch podcast and what it is that you guys do over there? Well, thank you uh, for asking. We are the Oscar Watch Podcast, and my co-host and I, Matt, we look back at the best picture winners of all 89 years of the Academy history, plus um, the foreign language winners and the animated films, and we see how they have held up in either the years, sometimes months, or even decades since they uh, won the big award, because they are among the most prestigious films of all times and see, well, how prestigious they are and did they actually deserve it over perhaps some of the other films that happened, uh, happened to be nominated that year as well. Uh, we've been doing it, I've been doing it for a while. Honestly, it started out of kind of my friend was doing a podcast and I was like, I want to do a podcast too. It's just so much fun getting to talk about movies and I had to come, come, come upon some sort of idea. 
to talk about. And I had always had a real love for the Oscars. I'd watched them every year since I was you know, 10 or something. When, no, 12 when Braveheart won because I really wanted Babe to win that year in 95. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> That'll so, yeah, do, just... Steve. That'll do. Oh, thank you. Best last line ever. Uh, so yeah, we've just been uh, we've been doing that. We're sixty some odd episodes in. We're currently embroiled in our uh, in, in in a similar in a similar fashion as the as you. We're talking about the genre films, specifically the horror films, the few and far between that have been nominated mm-hmm. over the years. We already covered the Silence of the Lambs last year for because that actually did win. So we're just going back like, well, what if uh, what about the Sixth Sense? What about the Exorcist? How have they held up in the some odd years since they've come out and having them having a great blast very very halloween themed appropriate and it's a lot of fun you can find us on soundcloud itunes google play and be sure to follow us on twitter and twitter and instagram at oscar watch pod it's all one word oscar watch oscar watch space podcast and it's a little, a little confusing but yeah come check us out we'd love to have you around and uh, we'd love to Maybe teach you something, but hopefully we also entertain. Well, that's this, what we do too. Are, you know, yeah. we have a lot of fun here on Being Cute, but we also discuss a lot of things that can get kind of in depth. Uh, so we we do the same thing, uh, different kinds of questions every week, obviously. But yes, uh, I do have one question for you as the person going back and watching these films: Is it hard sure. to not apply modern sensibilities, for lack of a better term? when watching films that were made in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and you're like, that's misogynistic, that's, you know, out of place, and you have to realize, yes, but in the culture it was in, it's not that egregious, or does it disqualify a film in your eyes or make it less, because, like, the quintessential example is Gone with the Wind, but there are so many other examples of films from those eras that would not hold up to today's social standards. That is an excellent question. That's one we've been really struggling with um certainly i just say in the in the older ones we watched the apartment you know the billy yeah. wilder 1960 uh romantic comedy and there is so much overt misogyny in that that it's it's really hard to grapple with the modern day sensibilities so like we have to apply we we can only view things through our lens I, like that's that's our experience but we do have to try and put ourselves into the mindset of pat of past peoples and coming to terms with that, reckoning with that, can be difficult. A lot of the times, you know, sometimes a movie like Gone with the Wind, which we actually haven't watched because that's one of the big ones where like, it's going to be a big special and whatnot. It's also like, they, incredibly long. It's also incredibly long, and I, I don't have time. For these, <laughs> I barely have time for these long movies. Um, it's, you have to, um, you kind of just have to take it. Like a, lot, like a good movie can some, uh, like it's not just about, a problematic element there's presumably because it won best picture and it went through this entire process a lot more stuff going on there and if you let this one little thing dissuade you from um from seeing it from or from even watching it that can be that's a that's a, perhaps a little bit of a problem in and of itself but it you do have to take it into consideration when you are reviewing it especially from a 2017 everyone's very woke and we're trying to deal with all grapple with all of these social issues that have, that have come up. I actually just got a new a news alert that Harvey Weinstein has been fired from the Academy of uh, motion picture arts and sciences, the governing body of the Oscars. So it's, um, oh, so it's they a, kicked it's, him out. 
they kicked him out. And so it's Ooh. a it's a new world. It's a very different world than the people who you know the you know mm. Louis B. Mayer who founded the Academy and it was a good old boys club and they had the specific set of kind of movies that would win Best Picture and it was a, a lot of politicking. Now now there's all this new reckoning that uh, we have to contend with and uh, new ideas and it's um it's really fascinating and I'm actually I'm always wondering about like what will a movie like Moonlight how will that be perceived 50 years from now on some, when somebody else does this show in VR hologram or whatever? <laughs> how, yeah. Like like how like how is that going to how is that going to meet with that society's standards and like how will that be taken? And it's uh it's it's a fascinating look at it's like being an anthropologist, seeing how mm-hmm. people reacted, also just seeing how incredibly white every movie was yes <laughs> oh or like breakfast, oh, at, yeah. breakfast at tiffany's where the asian character is portrayed by a white actor in a yeah. horribly it's... racist pastiche well it's... another thing to think about this is kind of slightly different topic but it's looking at the movies if you're looking at like within the context of the times that they are created and what that might say about society at that time like i'm thinking mm-hmm. in particular of two movies that I like to compare just because they were uh, they came out just a couple of years apart from each other, but they have completely opposite viewpoints, um, um, you know, or you can take them from like maybe it's a more symbolic perspective on what and what it meant to be an American back in the late 1970s. For example, you have um, All the President's Men, which came out in 1976, right after um, Watergate and the Americans are grappling, you know, with the scandal. And when the you know president resigned and there was this deep feeling of like mistrust towards the government. And, and um, but then and then a couple of years later, you have Superman, the first movie, which came out in 1978, which is the complete opposite, talking about everything that's good about the United States or what, you know, humanity can achieve. So you have those two dichotomies that were, um, you know, produced within a relatively short period of time. And so it's an interesting kind of like just little microcosm. Like, what does that mean? But Let's you also have Apocalypse yeah. Now in the same time period. So <gasps> I mean, you, you've got yeah, a lot of different. We could go on for ages. Colleen and I are both yes. historians, as you as you know, Steve. So yeah, going for ages with this question. Uh, but it's one of those that really plagues, not plagues, but makes movie watching of the past, especially watching Best Picture winners, because these are films that were recognized for their quality. It's not like we're intentionally picking films that you know were bad then and are worse now, like an Ed Wood picture. You know, these are quality pictures. <laughs> Then, oh no, Ed but... Wood. <laughs> Ed Wood movies are like fine wine. <laughs> yeah. In reverse. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, 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 Colleen, Colleen, you're absolutely right. They are a cultural snapshot of the time, especially in the seventies. You had uh let's see, you had you had some nostalgia movies, you had Patton, war movie. Oh, and in seventy 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 three you had No, uh seventy three you had the Sting, which is this throwback terrible, terrible movie to a simpler times, but the rest of the time you had the French connection. Both Godfathers, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and then you know, so like it's a gr- it's a gritty time in, in like the nineties. Dog Day Mean Streets, Dog Day Afternoon. You've had like the gritty. <laughs> the seventies are just a terrible time, and then then you start coming out of it. You got Annie Hall, you got Rocky, and it's uh, it's it's like it's they capture sort of like the it's like the mood of the year. Like how are we feeling? I suspect we. I don't know if we're going to double down on nihilism this year at the Oscars or if we're going to try and just pick ourselves up again. Uh, but I'm fascinated <laughs> to see what mm-hmm. we'll be, what we'll all be thinking, especially in light of all the recent uh, Twitter protests and calls to uh, more, you know, uh, equality and diversity 
inside the academy ranks and in filmmaking in general. It's uh, it's a fascinating time, and I'm sure you guys will love it in ten years when you can look back at all the uh, literature and pick it apart. Absolutely. Well, that that's the <laughs> biggest question to transition a little bit to nerdy films before we get into ones that you know should have been nominated in the past. I'm extremely curious to see if Wonder Woman gets any attention from the Academy this year. Maybe not Best Picture, but I could see a case being made for Patty Jenkins being nominated for Best Director, which would I, be interesting. Yeah, I could see that, and Lord knows they uh, that would be really good for them. I know, and I'm not an expert on current Academy Awards. You have to go to another podcast. I'm going to plug them called The Next Best Picture. They are really deep into the current current Academy Award race. I, I think the director field is very stacked with a lot of, unfortunately, male directors. Um, but if the Academy did want to, like, walk the walk, they could... There is a there is a scenario where Wonder Woman gets in for directing. Although, it, it, although it's probably more possible it gets in for Best Picture because that's an expanded field. It's not just five people. It's anywhere between eight and ten. So it's possible, but it wouldn't get much more than that. It would just sort of be like a moral... See, we can we can actually nominate this stuff. I personally don't think it has the legs to really get there. The third act is, uh, in my opinion, not that good. So I agree with you on that, but I, I do think there but, are some uh, things. But, cinematography, maybe they could sneak in. Special effects, mm-hmm. maybe. But against Thor Ragnarok, I'm not sure. Right. Or you know, and like Dunkirk, I think might take a lot of visual effects and. Uh, oh well, Dunkirk might take best papers. picture. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's a strong contender right there. That's a strong contender. But hey, it's we are now in the the high, entering Oscar season, and it's uh, this train is just getting faster and faster. I've heard some interesting buzz about that Kate Winslet and uh, Idris Elba movie coming out for getting some Oscar buzz. But the mountains between us? Yeah, I think so. But I don't well, know. I've, 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 I've heard any. I haven't heard any any awards buzz around that. I heard they're like, yeah, it's okay. I just wish, I just like, but I want Idris Elba to give. I want him to be in like fantastic. Maybe I want a, him to pick better yeah, movies. Yes, I mean it's probably not going to do anything, but I think that maybe the article I read is just, just saying that it's because it's those two lead actors that it might get attention. But if that were the case, then the one that starred Tom Hanks and Emma Watson last year would have had, or earlier this year, would have had more attention, and it was a horrible film. Uh, uh, the Circle, yeah. Yes, yeah. horrible. And, so. Yeah, and acting uh, certainly in the actress, both actress categories is incredibly competitive uh this year but we'll see yes we'll see. and you should we'll listen to the next best picture to find out more about that uh Definitely. They're great guys. I, They're great I think it's time for Thank us you. to delve into the past and see yes. which nerdy <laughs> films should have been nominated should have been recognized by the academy so we're looking at films here that either were not nominated in a particular field or were nominated but didn't win and we think they maybe should have we're not limiting ourselves only to pe- to films that should have won Best Picture. We'll be talking about a couple different categories, and right. I will let uh, Colleen start us off with her first pick. Oh, okay. We're gonna start with me. Well, now I have to narrow it down. Where do I want to start here? Um, okay. Um, I'll just. I have no idea if either of you guys have have one for this category because it's kind of like. Uh, you know, one-off, but I'll just go ahead and throw it out there because I, I had to. Um, it is for, um, uh, where was it? The um, uh, for original score, 
And I chose uh, The Last Starfighter, which came out in 1987, uh, because that music is absolutely incredible. Um, it's The film itself is not very well known. I mean, I, I've plugged it before on the show, and I'll just tell you right now, it's probably my favorite film of all time. But wow. <clears throat> the, the score is big. That's almost like it's bigger than the film. It's like if you could take the score from Star Wars and then throw it and just plug it into, like... Uh, you know, just like a very small, low-budget film. It doesn't seem to mesh too much, like what you're listening to versus what you're seeing. But that score, it's epic, and it's just its absolutely incredible. And it just blows me away every time I listen to it, um, especially the main theme for The Last Starfighter. So that's thats my pick for that category. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like I need to see it. It's been probably decades since I've seen that movie. I used to love it as a kid. Um, I'd agree. Now, 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 I, now I got it. Now I got to listen. Oh, it's 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 yeah. Oh, just yeah. you can Google it. You know, last Starfighter main theme, and it's incredible. We're actually going to be doing an episode. I can announce now. I'm super excited. Uh, but yeah, that's a really good pick for best score. Uh, Steve, what's your next pick? Okay. Well, first, I was approaching this as you know, I was going to have a, have a, have a little thing. I've written it down. That yes, there is a genre bias in the Academy. For instance, there was uh, you know the first the first movie ever, the first actual sci-fi movie ever nominated for one of the top five. And it's really, that's where, like, that, when they say genres don't, doesn't get any love, it's, they mean it doesn't get any love of picture, acting, directing, or writing. The, the, the big four. Yes, it, genre wins overwhelmingly a lot of tech awards, but that's kind of like winning, that's kind of like saying you won the walking uh, gold medal at the Olympics. Like, sure, you won the medal, and all, more power to you, but like, Really? Is that is that is that really the award we want people to talk about? So we talk about we we're, we're talking about the, we're talking about the big one. Talking about picture, acting, director, and and, and writing and, and the subcategories there: original, adapted, supporting, main. And so, like for instance, the first uh, the first the first time a sci-fi film ever showed up there was '68 with a movie that we will, that will be will be talked about that I will let you you discuss first. So that that's kind of how I approach this. And yes, there are a lot of tech categories. So I'm going to say that my first one is from 2006, and I kind of felt like Christopher Nolan would be over, uh, overly uh, exposed in this in this category, especially for The Dark Knight. So I'm going to go with the underloved for whatever reason, The Prestige, for a whole freaking slew of Academy Awards that I think is overlooked because it is a movie that is on HBO right now all the time. And I just end up watching it because I love it. <laughs> so good. It's, it's such it's, a good movie. It's it's like even with the twist at the end, I'm like I I know what's coming. I just the the score and how it's shot and everything. It's like I love this. So I I'm gonna say the Prestige. My I think I, honestly my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. And that's saying something. He has some amazing films. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw down Best Picture. I'm gonna throw down Best Director, Best Actor, <laughs> and Best Actor. For Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale, because why not? Definitely nominated, if not wins, Best Supporting Actor, David Bowie, because mm. obviously, yes, uh, best, yes, Best Adapted Screenplay, Editing, Costume, Production Design, Sound Mix, Original Score. I think that is just a great movie that has a lot going for it. It's very quintessential Christopher Nolan. It's mm-hmm. shall we say very very male. And it's about two unlikable guys, but you just love watching it because it's this brilliant, beautiful magic trick. It kind of feels like it's basically about filmmaking itself. 
and I can't recommend that enough, and I wish that it had gotten more love. And uh, as a side note, sorry, Illusionist, you are just not that good. <laughs> not to, I think if we didn't have the Prestige, it would feel a little better, but compared to the Prestige, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's kind of interesting so how you sometimes have films come out the same year that are almost like parallels of each other, like at Night and Twister, you had Twister. Anyway, but yeah. yeah, those two movies, I agree, the Prestige was good. I felt that it was really sad, you know, it was like watching a tragedy unfold before you on oh, screen, yeah. but you cannot deny that it just really does suck you in. I'd also probably nominate at least for cinematography because some of the you know just just the the shots in that film are just incredible yeah it, it, it could probably it, it should have in my opinion just run the table but uh you know that was that was scorsese's year that was uh the departed mm. yeah all that, so sometimes yeah, it's just a luck of the draw you know but as we said really, earlier it might be christopher nolan's this year coming up it definitely it he is overdue for all the work he has done. Uh, so, yeah, he he really... Dunkirk, I think, is the one that gets him, gets him in. Gets the him only in. felt... I think Dunkirk wins everything except the acting awards. I don't think they win the acting. I think no, other it, films it, win acting. They don't, even get, they don't even get nominated for acting awards. They may get a SAG ensemble, which is yeah. a very good precursor to uh, Best Picture. They kind of go to lockstep. Uh, probably just a nomination, but uh, there's, no, there's, no, there's no acting really that you know, it's front and center. You could make a case for Kenneth Branagh, but it's not really about any one person. It's about the whole. Mm-hmm. It's about the ensemble. It's, it's, yeah. it's, well, it's about it's about Christopher Nolan. Just being like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> it's about Christopher Nolan. <laughs> well, you mentioned a film that was about movie making to some extent. So it, I might as well go ahead and talk about the film you mentioned from 1968, which mm. some critics still say is a metaphor for cinema. And that is the the science fiction film when people think about highbrow science fiction. Dun 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 dun. Two thousand one, A Space Odyssey, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Stanley Kubrick. Uh, in my opinion, Over the Shining, Over uh, A Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, and Doctor Strange Love, I both love, but. 2001 is Kubrick's true magnum opus. It is his masterwork. Um, 2001 has amazing cinematography, was revolutionary in its time for effects, which it did win. It won the walking gold medal. Uh, But (laughs) Stanley Kubrick was nominated for Best Director, and he didn't get it. And it wasn't even nominated for Best Picture. You've got to be kidding me. I'm going to run down the nominees for Best Picture from that year, and uh, you tell me... War- rant coming, warning, warning. It makes you me tell so me sad. which ones are more memorable than 2001. The nominees are an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, a film called Rachel, Rachel, and it doesn't star Jennifer Aniston. Or Anne Hathaway. The Lion and Winter, which is a good oh, one. That's a good that's one. That's a good one. That's a good one. But it didn't win. Uh, what? Fun, funny Girl. Eh. And the winner is a musical called Oliver. With an exclamation You've got to be kidding me. And, Oliver. Uh, Oliver yeah, beat to, the Lion and Winter, and 2001 didn't even get freaking nominated. Yeah, and not not to not to not to plug my own my own show. We did an episode on Oliver, and I hate that movie. 
I hate that movie so much. It's so bad. It won Best Director, so too. It won it's, Best it's... Director over Stanley Kubrick, and my God. This <sighs> was, and this was the same year. Not only, okay, the other the Best Directors, not only did you have Stanley Kubrick, but you also had Anthony Harvey for Line and Winner, and you had Jillo Pontecorvo for Battle of Algiers, which yes. is one of the best Italian, or best French New Wave Italian realism films ever made. Seriously. You've got to be kidding me. I, yeah. I feel like if there was a time machine, Josh would go back to the 69 Academy Awards and just, like, yell at everybody. Uh, <laughs> and I love also, Dickens' books, but this is an injustice. This is a historical injustice. In my opinion, the only other Oscar injustice that's this bad is Brokeback Mountain lot winning Best Picture. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, there, there are a few other Oscar injustices, but Crash winning is uh, a blight on... <sighs> I mean, on 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 every on everyone's soul, really. At least, at least Saving Private Ryan was nominated. At least Brokeback was nominated. Two thousand one doesn't even get in the Best Picture field, and like AFI named it one of the top ten most essential mm-hmm. films mm-hmm. of all time. Well, I mean, I think that just you know demonstrates a lack of foresight on the Academy's part back in nineteen sixty nine. Right, it's like in the time, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it made sense. Like it's a it's a heady sci sci fi movie, and these are other crowd pleasers, costume dramas, and remember popular musicals. But yeah, and, and you have to remember, this, it came out in nineteen sixty eight, the year before we made it to the moon. So maybe if it came, if the movie came out um, in sixty nine or seventy, we would have won. <laughs> Well, people actually thought that the moon landing footage was cut from Kubrick's 2001 because he got the moon surface so right. <laughs> yeah, and then he apologized about it in The Shining. Yes, that was he his did. Apology yeah, love that movie. <laughs> yep. uh, so also, I do want to ask you, because Steve, you're a big 2001 fan as well. I've watched <laughs> online. There's the um, uh, a critic out of Australia. Uh, I forget his name at the moment, but he's made an entire series of of looking at 2001 where he argues that the film isn't actually about the Arthur C. Clarke plot upon which it's based, but is really, uh, like I said, amusing on cinema. And that the monolith, if you flip it over, is the exact dimensions of the kind of screen in 2001 was intended to screen on. And the long hmm. intermission with the same music as the ape evolution is the audience literally evolving to a new form of consciousness through watching this film. And he shows a lot of different motifs of the monolith, of the square throughout, uh, and the all-seeing eye of Hal. It's actually really well argued. I'm not sure if I buy it completely because the source material from Clark is mm-hmm. really, really good. But I do, and I and I do think Clark was intending on the story showing how the next stage of human evolution. Period. That's what Clark was intending. But we right. also know Kubrick is one of the most meticulous perfectionist directors ever. I mean, look how how often how many takes he did in The Shining to drive the leading lady insane, literally. <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't put it past him to make a film like that that was all meant to be decoded. I'm the the man is a literal genius. He's like his IQ is off is on that chart. I could I haven't uh, I haven't heard that. That sounds amazing, and I would like to subscribe to that man's magazine about <laughs> figuring that out. So that sounds so cool. But also I do think the movie came first. I think the movie came first, and they and Arthur C. Clarke adapted it out adapted into the into the book afterwards. I, yes. I recall what happened just so it's 
just so yeah. I mean he I mean he he helped he helped write write the screenplay. They worked together. I think Kubrick went to Clark and said, "I want to make a science fiction film." But then once they had the basic, like Kubrick first, and then Clark went off on his own direction. But Clark based the sequels to 2001 off of the film version, not his yes. version. Yes. Yes. Which uh, I have to say, I enjoy the I enjoy the sequels. Uh, and also the film, the film 2010 uh, was is actually pretty great. It's and way the, uh, underrated. The, very underrated. And and the books themselves, 2069 and 3001. I love 3001, by the way. 3001 is a solid book. That's another big nerdy recommendation I can give to you. The entire the entire saga of that. I also like his um, his series called The Time Odyssey that he wrote with Stephen Baxter. But that's getting into the the, the uh, too much of the, the literature at this point. But yes, I yes. agree completely. I just I really feel like 2001. If I've said before on the show that Fallout made me a gamer, 2001 is the film that made me truly a cinephile. Mm. Because before I I'd, I'd seen a lot of movies and I loved watching movies, of course. But that's the first film that really made me step back and think, this is like literature. This is something like art. This is this requires thought and interpretation. <laughs> and it, and no, I wasn't under the influence when I watched it. <laughs> but it just blew my mind, and I still vividly remember every sequence in that movie, from the opening scene with the apes through to the Hal stuff through to the ending with the beautifully staged scene with the monolith and the Victorian uh, setting and then the star baby. And it's just like, I've gone through a transcendent film here, not to be confused with transcendent starring Johnny Depp, which is not nearly as good. (laughs) Let us never speak of that again. (laughs) Uh, But I, I really truly feel you got to bump Oliver and put 2001 in. I don't know if it beats lion and winter, Honestly, in that year, that movie was so good. It's it's got to be in the conversation. But do you know what else you can you can you throw in this year? Maybe get rid of um, what was that? Uh, Rachel, Rachel, Planet of the Apes. Oh God! Came out the not only came out the same year, came out the same day as two (laughs) thousand. Really? Oh my God! That is so weird. (laughs) It got nothing. It wasn't it wasn't recognized at all. Well, I thought, Ooh. I thought, uh, oh, wait, who Best did score. the costume? No, but they got for, uh, the guy who did the costume design. He won an no, Oscar, uh, didn't he? No, uh, he, won, uh, he was nominated, he was nominated for costume design. 2001 yes. wasn't nominated because they thought it was, they were real apes they used. That's how good the costume <laughs> was in 2001. Uh, no, Romeo and Juliet won costume design, of course. Yeah. Oh my God! Just complete and, injustice. Uh, so many in that year. It's a Zipparelli movie. They 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 do costume drama like nobody else. Wow! The producers beat 2001 for best screenplay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's, it's good. It's, it's really good. But it it wasn't. Okay. It didn't, what a great year in cinema. That didn't get best picture not either. Ooh. Like it should have been The Lion and Winter, 2001, Planet of the Apes, Battle of Algiers, and The Producers. Yeah, I'm alright with that. That's, all that's, five that's of those films. Rosemary's Baby came out that year too. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> Maybe the people at the Academy never saw any of these movies. The Odd it's Couple came out. I mean, screeners must have been really hard to come by back then. The Odd Couple, uh, Rosemary's Baby, The Heart Is a Lonely Hunter. Oh well. Bull- Bullet. Yeah. Whoa. There's a, there's a lot going on. It's a good what year. 
Interesting. Oh, okay, this is why I was confused. So I was just double checking. John Chambers for Planet of the Apes got an honorary award for outstanding makeup achievement. That's what it was. I was like, I uh, won something. If I weren't, I learned one thing from the movie Argo. <laughs> it was that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which also won Best Picture. Yes, yes. It, and it should have. I yeah, yeah. I was yeah, I'm, totally I'm, I'm, agreement with I'm that one for that, that year. Yeah. Argo, bleep yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what aside next? Aside from a few inaccuracies, I really did like Argo. I was happy that it won. The next thing, oh, I mean, if we were going to talk, just for me to back up just a couple seconds about, um, like, a slew of other awards uh, for the same movie, then I would also have to go back to The Last Starfighter for special effects. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, well, it's, you've mentioned again, before how revolutionary it is, so go ahead and explain why it's such a huge step in special effects. Well, the movie, I'm sorry, it came out in 1984. I think I said 87 earlier. I don't know why. I think I, I got that confused with another on my list. But anyway, so The Last Starfighter came out in 1984, and it was revolutionary film because it was the first one to have complete all scenes done um, in CG. You know, CGI, computer-generated effects. It was mind-blowing. Um, they have, like, the planet and the base and uh, the star car, which, by the way, was used as an inspiration for uh, um, the, the DeLorean in, um, in 1985, so, you know, Back to the Future. So it made huge, like, just leaps and bounds as far as uh, technology and computer use of computer technology in film, um, especially for the time period. So... That's why I give it uh, the, you know, the Oscar for special effects. Did it predate Jedi? Yes. No, uh, no, that's after. But would you give it special effects over Ghostbusters? Yes. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, 2010. Uh, Are we really going to talk about what you said, 2010? Yeah, 2010. Temple of Doom and Ghostbusters. Temple Temple of Doom won the visual effects that year. Just, yeah, I would absolutely I have this, I have this book right now. I'm just I'm just reading it. I'm just oh, no, it's fine. I was confused. When you said 2010, I was thinking of the, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and I got confused. No oh. worries. <laughs> and I was like, are no, we really talking no, no. about that right now? <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Kalima! Crystal Skull? What, what, what is that? I've never heard of that. There, there are three <laughs> Indian movies. Well, they have it. Yeah, uh, and that's all we need to know about that. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, would I? I mean, yes. <laughs> yes, I would. Okay. <laughs> it at least to, deserves to be in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, let's just put it this way. All of the CGI that we have now in the movies wouldn't exist if it wasn't for that movie. And I'm just being completely serious. I mean, and there's always a first movie. Like, there's always a movie that does something first, right? And then maybe starts a wave. And I think it was that one, The Last Starfighter, with using CGI uh, and to do to film scenes instead of having to create, like, the elaborate sets. Um, it was just absolutely incredible. Although on the flip side, it also inspired Lucas to use mostly CG in the prequels. That's my own theory, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I say that because, okay, so it came out a year after Jedi, right? And then the people yep. who made the movie actually used to work um, uh, for Industrial Light and Magic and when they uh, on Return of the Jedi. And they created computer-generated models of, like, the X-Wing fighters, and they went to their bosses at ILM and said, hey, guys, you can do a lot more as far um, with with computer generated models than you can with like the physical ones. You can do like sharper turns, etc. And so they pitched this idea, you know, to the people at ILM. Hey, for the Jedi, let's use you know computer generated effects. And they were like, no. So <laughs> so what? then they went off and did their own movie, and that came out the next year using CGI. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, you know, I look forward to the uh, last Starfighter remake called Armada by Ernest Cline. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no? I, yeah. Okay. No, I, I agree <laughs> completely. I mean, I like Ready Player One, but Armada is a Last Starfighter remake. That's let's be it's honest. Totally, totally is. Totally is. Are I had not heard of this. I'm going to have to Google this now. Yes. You, You've read Ready I... Player One, right? Uh, cha. Hello, Duck. So, of course. So Armada, what's this? Is his follow-up book, and it's basically the last oh, Starfighter. Oh, that's yes. right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Where were we? We were waiting for your next picture. Oh, it's mine. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Mine. Mine. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna bring it back to the uh, the fifties. Next picture, uh, one of the defining films of the Cold War era, uh, is also, I think, one that fully encapsulates uh, the power of um, sci-fi to dramatize modern uh, current events in a way that is palatable for the average cinema-going folks, and that is 1956, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, one of the all-time great you know, panic mm. films. Uh, I would give that a Best Adapted Screenplay win. Not much else. But definitely a screenplay, at least a nomination, certainly a win over Around the World in 80 Days, which is considered one of the lower tier best picture and best screenplay winners um, in, the, in the history of the Oscars. So, yeah, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers has been remade a bunch of times, still relevant, still a great sci-fi slash horror film that was very overlooked in its time but has endured beyond uh, a lot of the other films that came out that year. Still, I think the best version of that movie put to screen, uh, a, a best version of the story. And the cinematography is is very beautiful for being so dark and creepy. Yeah, it's it's like a it's a like a really great episode of The Twilight Zone, man. Just like, it really is. Yeah, it feels yeah. like Rod Talk Serling right scripted it, but he, he didn't. But it feels like he did. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's been so it, long since I saw that version of it. I've seen the one that also that came out, I think, in the 70s. 70s and what I just, a, yeah. <laughs> but what I primarily has that remember, iconic guy that points at you like, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I just, I just remember that feeling of of just of just horror and like those chills running down my spine, like just by the the, the entire concept of that. I think. Um, God, it's really hard when you to like get up like with I feel nowadays with with coming up with like you know original uh, movies, but that one was really good. So I I, uh, I agree that's a good one for that category. And it and it is very hard to make or make come up with original movies because they've remade it a whole bunch of times. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> so and it, I, and, and it yeah. gave us the uh, pod people. It gave us the word pod people. Which is, <laughs> yeah. you know, pod people. No. Well, I'm an iPod person. <laughs> hey. So oh, I, that I actually, actually reminds me of uh, Bowfinger, another completely underrated movie uh, that they they mention that pod people in that one too. So there you go, yeah. another cultural Absolutely. reference. Yeah. Well, I'm That's another great the, movie about movies. Yes, it is. It's they, hilarious. They love, love those. It. The artist, hello, all about Eve, <laughs> Sunset Boulevard. We could go on. Um, but I'm going to keep it in the 50s for another film that's basically a, an allegory of the Cold War. Again, I would give it a Best screen, Screenplay uh, Oscar, and I would put it at a nomination for Best Picture, and that is The Day the Earth Stood Still from 1951. Mm. Yes. Um, yes, now, the 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 Clat to Ronald Nixon. It's not as egregious this year for it not winning. The winner for Best Picture is An American in Paris, uh, and mm. the other nominees are Streetcar Named Desire, Quo Vadis, A Place in the Sun, and Decision Before Dawn. Wow. Not, not as bad of a group as the other one as yeah. overall. So I can't begrudge it too bad, but I still think it should have been nominated, maybe take out Decision Before Dawn. Uh, because yeah, I can see that. 
I, I, the day the Earth stood still, Robert Wise's direction. It's the reason that he ended up directing the motion picture a year later. Uh, but it's it's so relevant to the the climate of 1951, to the height of the Cold War drama. I mean, we have this alien arriving saying, you're going to blow yourselves up. We're going to blow you up before you can do it. So you better not do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm simplifying it, but that's essentially yeah. what it is. But there's mystery involved. There's suspense. There's, there's supernatural elements. In fact, the only thing that doesn't really play with the rest of the film is at the end when our beloved alien says that he's been resurrected because of an almighty power. Uh, and in fact, that was not a decision from the writers and director of the film. Fun fact. Really? Uh, they wanted to say, you know, with, with 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 advanced science, you can achieve all wonders. But the studio yeah. said that they would not allow the film to represent a resurrection without acknowledgement of God. Wow, that Ooh. is very 1950s climate. That is, That's that, actually that, that is Hayes Code. Uh, mm-hmm. So it wasn't actually supposed to be religious at all. It was supposed to be a, an ode to how science can overcome differences in people. And for the most part it is, but that, that, that's why that one moment seems so incongruent to the rest of the picture. Mm. So now, you know, do, 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 do. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that totally makes sense for the fifties. You know how on uh, the USA, uh, the money that we have here, it, it says, uh, you know, in God, we trust that appeared in the fifties. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, yay! You know, Cold I mean, War. that's another reason this should have been so relevant. It's in the middle of the Red Scare, but it's telling us that we should not be afraid of the Soviets, but instead we should trust each other for the betterment of humankind. In 1951, mm-hmm. in 51, that is revolutionary and almost traitorous. In fact, the studio was afraid to release the picture because they were afraid it would encourage left wing left wing anarchism. <laughs> Wow. Which is probably why it didn't get anything in the Academy Awards. I was like, it sounds to me like they had good political reasons to not (laughs) put it in that category. It got Uh, got no love at the Academy Awards. The special effects winner that year, there was one nominee. It was called a movie called When Worlds Collide, released by Paramount. It like and it clearly could have gotten in on special effects. You know, the lady of Groot's um, not Groot's the the aliens. Blazer. Yes. Yes. What's his name? Anyways, they'll come to me. (laughs) That's it. Is that it? That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Colleen, Colleen, I keep, I keep, Interrupting you, I apologize. It's a it's a terrible habit. I need to break in. I, uh... Oh no worries. We can't actually see each other, so it's very difficult to read those cues when we're technically <laughs> invisible to one another. <laughs> quite true. Like, quite true. We're like a Tarantino screenplay. <laughs> Everyone just talking over each other. Make <laughs> it seem like we're talking faster. And I'm actually talking into my ear right now. Oh okay. You know, making those hand gestures nobody can see. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love those. Wow. Talking about pop culture. Hey, we are talking about pop culture. But since the the 50s was your uh, pick, I'm going to bring in a special pick that um, I didn't actually um, think of ahead of time, but I really think deserves an honor for best original screenplay, and that is from 1975, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it should, uh, should win, but... It should have been nominated for how how much they did on so little. It is the it is the all time greatest cop out ending in any movie, <laughs> <Yes>. literally. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, 
I'll get arrested. Uh, I hadn't even I hadn't even thought of that. That's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. You could have done a foreign language film for Monty Python just to be funny. Uh, yeah, you could. <laughs> Especially if you watch the Japanese language version on the DVD. Oh my god. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've done that. I have. <laughs> the best supporting actor goes to the Killer Rabbit of Kenarok. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Goes to Tim. <laughs> or how about that little animated monster they had that was chasing them around the castle off? Yeah. <laughs> and the winner is me. me. <laughs> oh man! Oh, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I, 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 it's just for fun. But I think the screenplay, if nothing else, so I, I wouldn't have been opposed to it being a. a... Well. My next pick actually kind of transcends a lot of what we just talked about. It goes from the 50s through the 70s um, and involves a lot of costuming and being able to do a lot on a lot of, you know, very small budget and while still creating um, those iconic film moments that we still have today. And this is my pick for uh, this actor is um, um, Haruo Nakajima, who played Godzilla in the, uh, for 12 consecutive films from the original one in 1954 all the way to um, Godzilla versus Gaijin in 1972. Wow, the bold pick, and also it speaks <laughs> to the it speaks to the level that uh, costume, you know, puppeteers and voice actors are kind of shafted when it comes to acting mm -hmm. awards. For mm -hmm. instance, there's a huge campaign to get Andy Serkis nominated for War for the Planet of the Apes, or really anything Andy Serkis does because it's all it's all mo motion capture, and that that would be that would be would have been great because. Like, like no, like no, like no doubt the original Godzilla movie. You could have given that a nomination for screenplay or something. That's a that's a that's a solid of the times kind of uh, atomic scare film. It's mm -hmm. like the quintessential. It could have and won yeah, that's a, that, that's a great pick. Oh yeah, definitely could have. But it was fifty four, was it? What was four? Uh, the the first Godzilla, yeah, it was fifty four. Okay, and best do we even have? Come on. Even more incredible when you think that it's, it hasn't even been 10 years since the end of World War II and Japan is already producing those films. That's absolutely, I just, absolutely stunning. Yeah. That's how you deal with your stuff. Thank Well, yeah. I mean, they, there were a lot of Japanese cinema. From, my favorite, one of my favorite non-genre films is Hiroshima Mon Amour, which didn't get nearly enough love from the Academy because that film, mm. oh, you want a film that, like, is a shot to the gut of just like how much World War Two changed everything, that's your winner right there. But it's not a war movie, and the only graphic thing in it is at the very beginning when they show real footage of the aftermath mm. of Hiroshima. Mm. Uh, but the rest of the film is a romance over two days between a French woman whose head was shaved for collaboration mm. during the war and a man who survived the atomic bombing. And their one weekend tryst is told throughout the film with splices back of showing their life, what it was like in the war in France and in Japan. Oh, my God. God. What a movie. What wow. a movie. Heavy. Oh, check that out. Super heavy. But what a movie. <laughs> I also wanted to point out that um, Haruro Nakajima just passed away this year. He died um, in August. Wow. The long-lived uh, long guy there. Yeah. You will be missed. Yeah, yes, 12, will, 12 Godzilla films, you know, awesome. Wow. There are a lot of Godzilla films. Like, <laughs> so many. They ran <laughs> the I should, I should say that he did the t first 12 consecutive films. Okay. 
There we go. So he he's the original Godzilla. OG. Exactly. Just like Leonard Nimoy has a patented technique for the Vulcan mind meld, if you want to know how to stomp a building, talk to this man. Oh, come on. It's the original Godzilla. I love him. He's my favorite because he would just go up to the bad guy and just punch him in the face. Exactly. There's no lasers or flying or any of that weird stuff he got later. He's just... He just marched up to the guy and decked him. Love it. With the (laughs) tiny little arms. You can't see me, but I'm definitely doing a T-Rex. Speaking of that T-Rex from Meet the Robinsons, I got a big head. Tiny arms! (laughs) Underrated Disney film. I know that's kind of an oxymoron, but it is an underrated Disney film. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, if we may transition to my next pick... That's Absolutely, sir. All right with you. Well, all right, I have to put on, I have to throw on my sick day movie. It's the movie that whenever I am sick, I have the cold or the flu, I throw this on, voila, I feel better. Uh, it's a movie that never gets old. It's funny. It's fantastical. It's got fencing, fighting, true love. It is the Princess Bride. I was about to say as soon as you said fencing, I was like, I know it. Yes. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's really, it's got everything you need. Uh, it's written by the man who literally wrote the screenplay on, uh, wrote the book on how to write screenplay, William Goldman, from his own book. I think it deserves a best adapted screenplay nomination, if not win. And if it were up to me, I would give it nominations for picture, supporting actor Andre the Giant, supporting actor mm-hmm. Wallace Shawn, director Rob Reiner, costume design, best or, and best original song by What's His Face from Dire Straits for Storybook <laughs> Love. I. Love this movie. I think it is held up way better in the public consciousness than The Last Emperor, which is a fine film. It's okay. Uh, it's a great costume drama. And it's, it's exactly the kind of movie the Academy would love. But man, The Princess Bride, it's so good. It's so good and I, it's fantasy. And I just, I think I just it, love like, it. it speaks to something within all of us that we can all connect to on different levels, which is why it, has, it works for so many people in so many generations. And it's yeah. taught everybody never to trust a Sicilian. Yeah, when death is, when death is on the line. line. Yeah. yeah so. and, and also, you should never start a land war in Asia. Just, <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that doesn't make sense. It's, it's a really big continent. It's, but, you know. Maybe we should have had our presidents rewatch this a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. Sorry. Think of, like, love. True love. <laughs> so much, there's so much to love in this movie. And it. Uh, if we're talking in the. If awarding the best movie of the year, like may like I don't know, like it did, it's kind of underperformed. It, it was more of a cult classic. But if you want to talk mm. about like how has a film endured in the following year since its release, then I think The Princess Bride is one of the best movies yeah. of nineteen eighty. What year was that? Was that eighty seven? Eighty seven. Eighty seven. Eighty seven. One of the best movies of the eighties. Was the, the Last movie? Emperor uh, Bertolucci? Yes. You see, yes. I mean. The only film I've seen from him, full film that I've seen, I was assigned in in college, was Novecento. Have you seen oh. that one? No, I was. Uh, I was going to um, think it was something. Yeah, it should be something else. But no, Novecento is um. Okay, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to put this in context, but this is going to be one of those great quotes that stand out without context. I wasn't prepared to see Robert De Niro's and Gerard Depardieu's fully erect peni. Is that the plural? Is that, is that what we're in the plural? Is anyone really ever prepared for that? Yeah, that's. I mean, not not including the the murder of an actual cat, killings of frogs, eight year olds genitalia, um, borderline sexual about, abuse. You are talking film. about a movie. Yes, 
It's called 1900, <laughs> and it's considered to be one of the most like best films in Italian cinema. And I was assigned it for a course on post-war Italy, Italian history. My God, I could barely get through it. It's worse okay. than A Clockwork Orange. For, it's ugh. I can't I can't even get through A Clockwork Orange. I won't watch that movie. So this no, is I another like, movie I can yeah. safely say that I won't ever watch. Do not watch it. Do not. It's not worth it. Uh, we actually just watched The Clockwork Orange for the show, and it is uh, very hard to get through, but, man, it is such a good film. Well, it's if a good can, film. When you, can, yeah, when you can get past all of the um, at least 19, stuff, But at least that one was acted. 1900 is – a lot of it's not simulated. Yeah. Like, well, they sounds, actually like... kill the animals and such, which is not okay. Yeah, that's, that's... – not cool. This Not is cool just kind of like turned into a bit of a downer. Kind of like, what other movie do I hate? That oh yes, um, uh, what dreams may come. Also a very depressing movie. That's a depressing movie. It is. Let me and bring it, it up. A... Let me bring everything up because this man that I am nominated for best actor brings everything, makes everything better, and that is Sir Patrick Stewart. And there's a lot. Why am I not surprised? (laughs) But there's a lot of genre films that I could nominate him for, and I was really debating. Now, honestly, I'd nominate him for Best Supporting Actor for Logan, and he should win for Logan, and he might be nominated for it. But they are making a push for him. If you look earlier, I yes, the first X Men was really well put together. He he even does pretty good in X Men: The Last Stand, but the film is too bad to be nominated. But I honestly think his crowning achievement in cinema until Logan was Star Trek: First Contact. I think his portrayal of Captain Picard as Ahab, but as Picard, in 1996's First Contact merited a Best Actor nomination. And let, it, it's a really loaded year. I'll acknowledge that. Uh, the Best Actor winner was Jeffrey Rush for Shine, and also mm. nominated was Ralph Fiennes for The English Patient, Woody Harrelson for The People vs. Larry Flint, Billy Bob Thornton and Sling Blade, and Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire. So it's a loaded year. Good year. But I still think Patrick Stewart could should have snuck in there because his, his portrayal of a man put in a crisis but still a leader, a man conflicted by obsession and by his past but has to overcome it, a man obsessed with his loyalty to his crew, but also in awe of seeing what his heroes are from Cochrane. There are so many notes that he hits in that film. The scene where he destroys the glass and says this scene no further. The scene on the holodeck where he shoots the Borg with uh, mm-hmm. the, Tommy, the gun. Tommy gun. The final scene where he helps Data. I mean, it's got its action, tragedy, uh Panache, I think he should have snuck in that year for Best Actor. I would also give a Best Supporting Actress that year for Alfre Woodard uh, for First Contact, for her portrayal in that movie. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> I do love First Contact, but I think the stronger Picard role, although in a slightly weaker movie, he's great. I love him in Generations. Because his character art, I get it, and it's, he has an actual flow to things. He has, a big, he has something he wants, and he goes through he goes through a big trial, and he figures it out. Maybe it's not the best movie. It's a film that uh, I have I've watched more than First Contact in the re, in the intervening years. But the point is, Patrick Stewart needs to get nominated. He's never been nominated because I don't I don't understand why. He's amazing, and uh, yeah, I'll, I will I will give it to First Contact as a, as a caveat saying, yeah, we're also going to tack generations on on to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, kind of like following on this thread, 
Um, I chose for like best adapted screenplay is Galaxy Quest. Yes. Is that a, uh, and, I, and I put adapted because it's a hell of a lot of that stuff. It's basically just a parody of Star Trek. That's why I said adapted versus original. You can go with either one. But because the whole thing is just basically Star Trek and they're making fun of it. <laughs> that's that's true. That, that category because that's where they're pulling a lot of their source material from. Uh, it came out in 1999. Uh, which means it was probably stomped on by the Matrix or Star Wars, Phantom Menace at the, the following you know, year for the Academy. But um, it is a very fun movie, well thought out, uh, very highly entertaining. Uh, for those of you who've never seen it, you should. It's about, you know, a group of like B-list actors who used to be on this like sci-fi TV show that get kidnapped by actual aliens who think that the television show was real and they find themselves basically dealing in an actual galactic war and everybody thinks that they're actual space commanders when they're just actors and yes. it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's brilliant. And um, the great writer, David Mamet has called Galaxy Quest one of the best screenplays ever. <laughs> so it's doing something right. It's a movie. It's, it's a movie. My mom watches all the time and she loves it. I it's, love that part so in the funny. movie where they're the bowels of the ship and they have like the chompers. Oh, and then it's just straight through the chompers and then they have the fire and she's like, whoever wrote this episode should die. <laughs> can, like, we give a, can we I give a best it. supporting actor to uh, Alan Rickman and best supporting actress to Sigourney Weaver for Galaxy Quest? Oh, yeah. <laughs> These movies are great. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, agree. I agree. Well, in keeping with the uh, in keeping with the sci-fi theme, yes, uh, Galaxy Quest is on mine. But uh, I have to say, um, there's obviously one moment where there is a line between okay, genre, genre uh, no to genre good, and that is of course 1977, where you had the first science fiction movie nominated for best picture, and what a best picture it was. Of course, we're talking about Star Wars. Came out, mm-hmm. blew number one film box office of you know that year. Side note, also m- many of these genre films that do get nominated have are really good in the box office. Like that's how you get in. Um, but I would I would say that if the Academy, if it was really on point, if I could go back in time, it, 1977 would be a total sci-fi year because that's also the year of Close Encounters, and I would nominate no, both right? yeah. for Best Picture. Give it give Best Picture to Star Wars. Much love to Annie Hall. Annie Hall is a great movie. And then just like it just you just run the table going Star Wars Close Encounters. You get Melinda Dillon, Best Supporting Actress. You get Best Supporting Actor to Alec Guinness. Best Director yep. goes Lucas Spielberg takes screenplay and then just all and uh, score and then in a once in a lifetime event, John Williams wins for both <laughs> movies because he was not for both <laughs> yeah. movies because the the scores are so good. Which one won Best Score? Star Wars. Okay. Star Wars won. Again, I mean, it's like it's that opening, it's that opening, you know, blast. I mean, it just it's incredible. Uh, and, the, and Luke's in the 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 twin the twin setting suns theme. It's mm, everything the about the score is, is great. Mm. Um, not that he needs more more excuses to win Oscars. He's won so many, but I th- I think seventy seven like seventy seven and eighty two you could have just like had a sci fi smorgasbord. Of genre films, just is, is eighty two Raiders? Yeah, eighty two is E. T. The Thing, Blade Runner, and um, Star Empire. Trek: Wrath of Khan. Like, I, be- yeah. I believe that's eighty two. So, yeah, you know, Ra- Leonard Nimoy for Best Supporting in Wrath of Khan. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. 
because it's just that his death scene is one of the best of all time. And yeah. I would argue Nicholas Meyer for best director for Wrath of Khan because my God, he completely changed the look and feel of the franchise and made it what it is today. He did, but also also keeping the idea the concepts behind it. It, was, you know, it wasn't just a straight up action movie like no. Nemesis or something. It was and, it was thoughtful. And I would give a nomination for best costume design because that's my favorite Trek uniform ever. <laughs> they change them up all the time. So just my yeah. personal, but that red uniform lasted through the rest of the original run. Uh, that's true. That's true. So I, if I ever do cosplay as a Star Trek person, which I would love to do, I'm getting that uniform. Just saying. Right. Uh, so I'm going to propose one that's really shocking because I'm going to propose one that was actually nominated for a Razzie for Worst Director and Worst Actress in 1981. But in my mind, this film is the defining horror film of the modern age, and it should have been nominated for Best Picture and Best Actor Jack Nicholson. It's The Shining. Yes. Uh, yes. I love The Shining. The Shining. Yeah, it got a Razzie? It was Seriously? nominated for Razzie for Worst Director Stanley Kubrick and Worst Actress Shelley Duvall. Oh, it sounds to me like somebody was really pissed off at Kubrick because that's, that's, that's I mean, a good movie. <laughs> the Shining completely changed the conventions of horror, but it mm-hmm. still scares the shit out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's up. The music, oh my god, the music creeps me out, even just listening to the main theme of The Shining. Like, I mean, even me just thinking of it right now, like, I have chills. Like, I have goosebumps. Oh, god. And I'll make an argument. You don't get a film like The Silence of the Lambs without The Shining. Yeah, that seems Uh, fair. So, it just seems odd to me. I don't know if it wins in 81. I don't think it wins. But for it to not only be not nominated, but to be nominated for a Razzie... Yeah, you're you're right. There must have been something weird going on there. That just feels so out of place. I was actually just have a question about horror films in general. I mean, do, do they ever ever win anything? Silence um, of the Lambs. Well, I, 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 yeah, Silence of the Lambs won. If you want to call that a horror film, they are the most represented in nominations in terms of if we're defining the genre as horror, sci-fi, fantasy. Uh, they go way back. They had they, they won an early Best Actor in a Frankenstein adaptation, and they picked up occasional nominations here. They're, the Bad Seed picked up a bunch of uh, usually supporting actor or actress, specifically supporting actress nominations, mm-hmm. I guess because they enjoyed tormenting women and <laughs> still do. Uh, then you had then you had 1960 with Psycho that picks up Best Director. Oh yeah, Psycho. Hitchcock. Yeah. He does not win, obviously. Uh, but the first, the first big one, obviously, and that is my that is my next one. If I can just jump ahead, is obviously The Exorcist, 1973, uh, yeah. released in released on the day after Christmas, the highest grossing <laughs> film of that year, one of the highest grossing um, horror films of all time, and I think that is actually more influential than the, than The Shining in terms I, of I would agree with redefining that, yeah. what what the what the horror genre can do. And Lord knows the horror genre does like uh, does so much, but like the extras. Uh, that is really a bold, good. bold move for them to do that right after Christmas. I get why, but at the same time, just knowing that film, that's like wow. Huh. It yeah, took some it's, serious cojones to like slate it for that time. You came out of the time. theater seeing Christmas lights. That went, wow. <laughs> yeah. And considering what 1973 was, that was the year the Sting one, and Sting is just not good. Like The Exorcist, like they were, it was. They were thinking it was going to win basically until the envelope was was announced, and mm. uh, it was 
it would have been so great if it did because it is such a better movie was, than The Sting. Was Linda Blair nominated for Best Supporting Actress? She was. She was. She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, but because the voice of the demon, which take which which she uses for like half the movie, was voiced by someone else, they uh, they actually the Academy didn't realize this, and they wanted to rescind the nomination. But since the Academy doesn't do that, they couldn't. So it's kind of a yes, she was nominated, but she was more nominated, more um, Melinda McCambridge, who I think did the the voice of the Pazuzu. She That's was the so one. Interesting. Who, she would... was the one who kind of like stole the show. Yeah. But Alan Burstyn picked up a nomination and it won. Uh, it did win best adapted screenplay. It Amen. did win one that, of the that, one of the big ones. We finally have a winner. <laughs> yes. I know, right? <laughs> but I but I think it should. I think it could have taken best uh, best picture and probably best director, even though Friedkin won a couple of years earlier for The French Connection. Like it is a. It could have been nominated for film. best visual effects, right? Uh, I think it, it it may have been. It, Lord knows, it probably got costumes. Uh, let me let me let me let me check all the, the techies here. We're doing this one soon. No, no costumes, visual effects, cinematography, art direction. No, oh, I didn't win anything. Oh my god, what? What? <laughs> Just come back, come back. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, speaking of. Let's see what I have. We were talking about costume design. I was, I was, uh, I was, I had a toss up between <laughs> Masters of the Universe and the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> 1987 and 1990, respectively. <laughs> Jesus, I saw the, I saw the turtles in the theater. Oh my God, I'm old. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Oh, come on. I mean, Shredder's sparkly purple pajamas. I mean, should have gotten an Oscar just for that. <laughs> the, cos- the costumes are, I mean, the turtle costumes are pretty great. But yeah, they are. Totally, they actually like, have totally the original knows. costumes and the uh, Cape Fear Museum in Wilmington, North Carolina. Nice. Yeah, they did some of the filming. The sewer scenes were filmed in Wilmington. Uh, of course they were. <laughs> oh. I don't I, I have no well, hey, fun sure. fact about that city, they actually do have, like, old underground tunnels um, that were used in the 1700s wow. that are actually built on top of, like, old, you know, like the ancient creeks and everything. That's how they handled their sewage back then. They're sealed off now, but oh. fun facts. Yeah. Does, <laughs> it, does the supernatural sewer clown live there now and come out every 20 minutes? Uh, <laughs> I would not be surprised. <laughs> I, another, another actor who might get a best supporting nod, Bill Skarsgård for Pennywise. I've heard good things. Uh, we, um, yeah, we uh, we had we had this conversation that the two most successful horror movies, um, The Exorcist and The Sixth Sense, both were nominated for best picture, and we just kind of assume that if you are a really successful horror film, you, there's kind of a clause in the uh, the Academy Award charter. Mm-hmm. It says you will be nominated for Best Picture, so I think it'd be pretty cool if it got nominated. And Bill Skarsgård <laughs> certainly gives a great performance. He outdoes Tim Curry, which is a feat unto itself. Yeah, uh, I think absolutely. that'd be awesome. But I agree with your costume picks. I have one final pick, and then I think Colleen has one more too. But uh, mm-hmm. one pick that uh, Best Actor and Best Picture for sure uh, for 2009. I think this is probably the most underrated or at least underseen modern science fiction classic and that is moon yes uh sam rockwell should have won best picture for moon he is the movie 
I'm not going to spoil it too much, but it's a one-man show. That's it. Like, there is no one else in the damn movie except <laughs> Sam Rockwell. But it makes it so compelling. It should have won. It should have been. It should have won best original screenplay. It should have won best uh, actor, and it should have been nominated for best picture. Uh, if you haven't seen Moon, I don't want to say too much because to spoil it is to spoil one of the best yet most. Uh, the twist happens halfway through, not at the end, but it completely right. changes the scope of the film, and it, it's amazing. And as much as like other modern classics like District Nine and Children of Men deserved a nod, and they do in their own right. I really think Moon is criminally underseen and should have been given a lot more awards. Definitely, but in 2009 they had they already had two movies nominated, two sci-fi movies nominated for best picture, and like you can't have more than that. You had Avatar <laughs> and District Nine, so. I I know I know, but, but it was so Moon, good. Moon's great, I, and Sam Rockwell's never been nominated, and that is a is one of those crimes. You're like, really? How has he not won anything? Because he's so good in. Anything he anything he's, yeah, he's and in. And I think that role should have been his nomination, honestly. I mean, oh, he, yeah, he, he it, carried it. Yeah, he, the whole movie. And um, what's his face? David Bowie's kid directs directs the hell out of that movie. It's great. Uh, yes. uh, Duncan, Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones. Yeah, Duncan, Duncan Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Screwed up in Warcraft. It, it, Whatever. It also, hey. it also, you have a contention for best set design. I know that the Avatars, District 9's had a lot of tech awards, but the set design mm-hmm. in Moon is on point. And most of it isn't CG. Yeah, that's true. It's a uh, it, it it feels a very lived in, uh, lived in world. It's it feels like amazing. it came out of the same school as Alien, another film that should have gotten more attention. Seriously, the long list of movies we can talk about. <laughs> yeah, but I know Colleen, you wanted to mention one of our more recent entries into a very beloved franchise. So, uh, my pick for uh, supporting actor comes from a more uh, recent film uh, from. The Force Awakens in 2015, and my choice for Best Supporting Actor goes to BB-8. Aww. I mean, Wait, seriously, so, so, that film would not be the same without that little that little R2 FIFA. So, so, <laughs> would, so would we give the award to John Ralph John Ralphio from um, Parks and Rec because he voiced it? I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think it'd be great if they gave it to like. If they did the award and like the actual droid like rolled up onto the stage and then and then the voice actor came up and like physically accepted the award, that'd be amazing. Okay, yeah, that'd be pretty fun. I would have. Uh, yeah. I would at I, least I, have I'd loved love to see BB-8 and R2 or and C-3PO present an award that year. That would have been fun. That they, I'm surprised they did not do that. Oh, they could have like they could have had the. Yeah, they could have had like the Oscar inside that little secret compartment inside R2, and you could have like launched out like Luke's lightsaber, and they could have caught it. It would have been great. They should have done best special effects the year after with that. That would have been <laughs> amazing. I would have thought that would have been great. You know what? They could do it again this year. They could. And every other year, because we got Star Wars movies. Oh, Star Wars, yep. So, so much true. Star Wars. So much Star Wars. Yeah, and as, as a coda to this, it's not all bad. Some genre movies have one. We've mentioned Silence of the Lambs. The the one I think of immediately is Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, one Best Picture. The uh, only fantasy movie to get not a, not only a nomination but a win. Fantasy is the most underrepresented genre of the uh, the genre films, but it's the one that won the most. <laughs> <laughs> I love those movies. So I much. don't know many other genre films that won Best Picture, but they have won a few of the other awards, like Steve mentioned. So Heath Ledger, of course, won Best Supporting. Uh, for the Dark Knight, 
Yes. So, which, I, which I imagine prompted this, it not only prompted this conversation, prompted the conversation of why wasn't the Dark Knight nominated that year? And that the next year they had they expanded the field mm-hmm. of Best Picture nominees to a from five to eight to ten potentially. Have they, have to, they uh, included, to, uh, have they included uh, a comic book film since the expansion? Uh, they have not. Um, da, 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 da. not well, not certainly not like a regular com, not like a superhero movie. I'm sure there have been like films that are based on yeah. comics that. I feel in. like the original Avengers had a case. Yeah. But the Dark Knight yeah. is probably still mm-hmm. your like most award. If you're thinking of superhero films that are also made to win an award, the Dark Knight's probably the highest up there. So even to date. Uh, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, nominating these movies, the Oscars, the ratings have been sagging recently. It gets more people to see because they feel like they got, all right, my the movie, the movie that like everybody really likes is is nominated, and we can root for it, and it's, it's better for everybody. Yeah, I think we were, you know, having this discussion before we started recording about how sometimes you have, you know, advances in in film, you know, and, and whichever way that um that that for the the uh, current categories in the academy just aren't able to reflect, and so then they have to kind of play catch up a little bit. So maybe the next year, a couple years after, you know, you see start to see new categories pop up, which you're thinking, oh man, retroactively, like why can't they award that movie? Because now it qualifies. Now they have a category for it. Right. One day there will be a best stunt category, and, it will, and we'll just go back and give it all to Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> yeah, or like we were saying, you know, best movie trailer. Well, honestly, um, I would I would like to see an Oscar for best character design for like a C, for a CG or animated character that the design of the character is the best articulation of that character. Um, you know, because it's, it's beyond best makeup. It's an actual right. creation of a character, as distinct from the movie itself. Uh, I know it's TV, but the the villain in Stranger Things would be a great example of that. Mm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, best character design would be nice. Uh, no Face should have won. <laughs> <laughs> they could even have a category for, like, uh, like, people's choice and let the people vote. We'll oh. choose our favorite movie. Well, the problem with people's choice that. is we have that, and we tend to pick really <laughs> films. Um, I know that's that's the internet for you. It's like what was that cat? You know, for Bodie McBoatface, that can be the name of that that award. <laughs> you get the Bodie McBoatface award. <laughs> and the winner for best actor in a leading role is Adam Sandler for Jack and Jill. Oh, no, no. Why? And, the and actors for- too. no no we would be so stupid as to give the best actress to a male playing in drag it would set us back like 30 years oh god i can hear twitter just exploding it just it just stops it just dies hey Uh, maybe bb8 really would get the awards in (laughs) (laughs) but actually in, in, in terms of uh genre films this year the shape of water is looking to be a oscar contender the new guillermo del toro film that has the uh doug jones and Fishman costume, so I expect that to make uh, some some heavy some heavy moves and pick up a lot of a lot of tech awards uh, for that. It's, uh, hopefully the movie's good. GDT has burned me a lot, so yes, but Pan's we'll Labyrinth should. 
Uh, it should have, but you know, uh, it was nominated for best foreign language film. But uh, the eventual winner that year was a movie called *The Lives of Others*, and it is one of the best movies of the the That's early two thousands. It's it's incredible. *The Lives of Others* is really good. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I can see why they picked that over *Pan's Labyrinth*, which is more of like a tone poem, but still brilliant in its, in its own way. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, we can't cover everything. I just realized I didn't discuss *Jurassic Park*, uh, but mm. there's, there's so many things. For, for, for best score, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and best special, well, everything. But anyway, uh, before we start just ranting on all of these, there are clearly ones we haven't gotten to. There are clearly award categories we haven't gotten to, actors and actresses, screenplays. So that's what the beauty of this show is. You can answer these, these questions, too. You can send us emails at bnqfeedback at gmail.com, and I'll forward those on to Steve as well, and he will see your answers. We'll also read them on the show if you'd like us to. Or you can send us tweets at B&Q Podcast uh, for the over 3,000 people that do follow us. Clearly, we, we want to hear from you. And we will be drawing the winner of the giveaway from uh, Fabio Del Rio and CSE Games in this episode two weeks from now. Uh, so two weeks from now, we will announce our winner of the giveaway of the free board game from CSE Games signed by... Uh, the the designer I do believe uh, so keep an eye out for that you can still enter the contest by giving us a review on iTunes or or your preferred uh, platform send us a screenshot it gets you ten entries into the contest or you can retweet the Mount Rushmore of gaming episode and that gives you one big entry <laughs> into the contest and whoever wins it gets the game it's that simple Woo. if you want an original game that's a big uh, contest so again thank you to Mr Del Rio for that giveaway. Um, but Steve, I want to thank you so much for making this show a fantastic discussion. Uh, everyone should go listen to Oscar watch podcast. You guys are brilliant at what you do. Um, and next time you do a genre film, think of us, (laughs) uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, you guys are awesome. And I think Colleen and, and I have had a lot of fun talking to you. So thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Thanks so much for having me on here. Really. Uh, it's been great having this conversation with you. Don't get to talk a lot of genre, so it's like I get to nerd the hell out. It's great. <laughs> and uh, Colleen, uh, thank you as always for your wit and wisdom. Oh yeah, twenty four seven, it's there. <laughs> and since Matt's not here, I have the distinct pleasure of killing the Gungan. You Ooh. see, Jar Jar was on a space expedition inside a pod, and the pod all of a sudden stopped working. When he paged back to the ship to open it, he heard the following phrase. I'm afraid I can't do that, Binks. <laughs> the pod eventually self-destructed because it didn't want to exist anymore in deep space with Jar Jar inside of it. And Jar Jar suffocated <laughs> in space, a dying, desiccated Gungan with his ears flapping eternally in the tail of a comet. Bye, Jar Jar. <laughs> Never loved you. <laughs> never really even liked you. <laughs> yeah, never so, liked you either. <laughs> Jar Jar this week, death by Hal 9000, uh, as is only appropriate. Uh, for <laughs> Steve and for Colleen, uh, I'm Josh. Thank you so much again for listening to Big Nerdy Questions. Next week is our Halloween special. I don't want to say too much, but I will tell you the truth is out there. Good night, everybody. Hey.